Well, welcome everyone to our service this evening. Those who are here in person and those who are watching online, we welcome you in the Lord's name. We pray that our time together will be blessed as we gather under his word and sing praises to our Saviour. We shall begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 89. In the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 89, on page 345, 345, from verse Mark 13. Psalm 89, verse Mark 13. Thou hast an arm that's full of power, thy hand is great in might, and thy right hand exceedingly exalted is in height. Justice and judgment of thy throne are made the dwelling place. Mercy accompanied with truth shall go before thy face. O greatly blessed the people are, the joyful sound that know, in brightness of thy face, O Lord, they ever on shall go. They in thy name shall all the day rejoice exceedingly, and in thy righteousness shall they exalted be on high. Because the glory of their strength doth only stand in thee, and in thy favour shall her horn and power exalted be. These verses 13 down to the end of verse Mark 17. Thou hast an arm that's full of power, and will stand to sin. an arm that's full of power
Before we pray, could we turn to the Word of God in the Gospel of Mark? We'll have three short, shorter readings this evening. So we'll have one before a time of prayer, and then we'll follow on with the other two. And we'll use all our readings in our sermon. So the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, and we'll read the short verse, verses from verse Mark 21 down to 25. It's titled, A Lamp Under a Basket. And he said, Jesus, to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Amen. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us, and may we have an ear to hear it. May we count right near to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this hour. Help us to be still in it. Help us to have an ear to your word. For your word is to us a lamp indeed. And when we consider ourselves here, Lord, we pray that each of us would consider it a privilege. May we consider ourselves lucky to be sat in a place like we are, where the gospel is preached on your day, morning and evening, where we can come and hear of it without worry of attack, not prejudice. Lord, we pray that in the freedom of the gospel we may see it freely working in our lives, in our communities, and in our hearts. Lord, we pray, may your words take root within us. May we be good soil for your word to grow. May we take it and may it be nourished in our hearts. May it be a source of strength to each of us. And Lord, if it is not, we pray that it would be tonight. We pray that you would speak as you have promised to through your word and through the preaching of it. Lord, it is not the preacher we come to hear, but we come to hear your word before us, speaking to us. Sometimes it convicts us. Sometimes it guides us. Sometimes it is hard to hear what you say to us. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. And sometimes we want to cover it up and put it away. But Lord, 
May tonight be a night where we have open hearts, open ears, open eyes to hear what you shall say to us. Let us not be concerned for the things of the world. Lord, we pray, keep them from us. Keep the devil from us, from entering our minds, from distracting us of what we shall do in the week ahead. Lord, may this time be a time of solace under your word where we can indeed feel the nourishment of it in our hearts. For when we look around us in the world, we see confusion and disarray. And we pray for the nation of Ukraine. Lord, a nation that is at war. Lord, we pray you be with the people. People who have been taken from their homes. Who flee for safety. Watch over them. Watch over the children. Watch over the families. Lord, provide for them. Give them shelter. Give them food. Give them safety. And we pray for your people in that nation. People that stay, people that flee, people that fight. Lord, we pray that these who remain, those who go amongst the nation, the gatherings of men and women who are lost, let them be lights. Equip them, prepare them for what they are about to experience and what they do experience. Let the light of the gospel shine in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of a world that is dark and cruel and hard, in the midst of sin, in the midst of sin that entered in through our own sinful eye through our own greed that's not the way it was meant to be so Lord we pray that you would be with them and we pray these things in your name we pray that you would be a strength to them and we pray as you command us to for the enemies and our enemies Lord we pray for the nation of Russia we pray for the soldiers that come and attack. We pray that you open their eyes to what they are doing. We pray for Putin. We pray and we don't know what to pray for. But we pray that you would be at work there. Lord, help us not to be afraid to ask for big things of you. Give us a confidence to do so. Your word can be set before him as any other men that is in us in this world. And be a light of understanding and awakening. Lord, pray that you bring peace to that nation. It's all we can pray for at some times. We don't know what to pray for. But pray for peace. And outwork it according to your will. 
And Lord, we consider in the morning we have been attacked by a virus as a world, and now there is a threat of war, possibly. When will we learn? Are these from your hand, we ask? Are we like Pharaoh of old, who would give an ear to the gospel, or give an ear to the words of Moses, but then turn our hearts against it? Lord, pray that we are not like these, like that man. Lord, give us a heart of faith to trust in your word as we see you outworking things. And these things are according to your will and according to your purpose. So help us to trust in you. Give us peace amongst the storm. And that is truly what peace is. When everything else around us is falling apart, you give us peace. And you promise to us peace, not as the world gives. But you give us peace in a way that we find it hard to explain. But go no else, where can we? But turn our face to you, O Lord, the one who died on the cross for us. May we remember what he has done for us. May we not become so familiar with that image, these words, that we do not really consider what it really is. It was a man of love giving his life for those he loved. Lord, help us to understand. Help us to see the love that you have for us as we are sat here tonight. Lord, we thank you for each one. We thank you for the ministry that is here. We pray for James and all that he does. We pray for the vacancy that we have, that you would bring someone to us, that you would provide a servant to fill the space. Remember Kenny I in his retirement also. Be with him and all those ministers that are retired. Donald MacDonald, who was with us today, Kenneth Ferguson and others, as they continue to preach the gospel in vacant congregations. And we remember the vacant congregations. Be with them, O Lord, we pray. Provide for them in ways that you can, in your timing, suitable for their needs. Lord, be with us. We thank you for this time that you have given to us. Help us to treasure it. All these things we ask by the name and power of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll continue in reading the Word of God by turning to the Gospel of Luke this time. And then we'll skip backwards to the Gospel of Matthew. So Luke chapter 11 at verse 33. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one, after lighting a lamp, 
puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. As when a lamp with its rays gives you light. And let us continue over back the way to Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5, at verse 13. Matthew five thirteen. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. In the reading of God's word, be blessed to those who hear. Help us to see it. We'll continue in our praise by singing in Sing Psalms, Psalm 119. Sing Psalm, Psalm 119, on page 165. That's verses 129 down to 136. 129 down to 136. Your statutes, Lord, are wonderful, so I obey them from my heart. Your words, as they unfold, give light. And truth to simple minds impart. With open mouth I pant and yearn to know the laws that you proclaim. Show me the mercy you extend to those who love and praise your name. Direct my footsteps in your word. Let sin not hold me in its sway. From man's oppression set me free that your commands I may obey. Upon your servant shine your face. Teach me the statues you have made. My eyes shed streams of bitter tears because your law is not obeyed. We'll sing these verses to God's praise. Your statutes, Lord, are wonderful. And we'll stand to sing. Your statutes, Lord, are
Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to use the three readings that we read. And we're going to do so in the order of the way we read them in Mark, Luke, and Matthew. So if you would turn with me to the passage we read in Mark, Mark chapter 4 and verse 21. I hope I'm not going to give you too much page flicking back and forth, but if I make it clear what I intend to do, hopefully it'll be easier for you to follow. So we'll go Mark, Luke, and then back to Matthew. And we'll look at these accounts that we read together. Every one of them, of our readings, presents to us the same image of a basket and a lamp every time there are words spoken by Christ, and every time a lesson for us to take note of. And the lamp here is specifically an oil-type lamp every time. And the stand that is mentioned is specifically a lampstand every time. And the basket, now that gives us a bit more clarity of what's been said here as well. And we might think of a, a wicker style kind of basket what has its kind of weaves to it and would allow some sort of light to pass through it. But in the, in the Greek word, it, it actually translates as more of a, a bowl or a bucket. Now that, that changes it, if it were a bucket, because that would blank out every piece of light. But in any case, it is an instrument for dry measuring. Now, if it was something of woven material, most likely it'll be of a fine construction, fine enough so that small dry items wouldn't pass through it. But no understanding of whatever this bucket, bowl, basket looked like, it seems that it would be capable of suffocating the lamp and blanking out any light that would have come from that oil lamp and maybe being placed over it for any period would extinguish it entirely. And this is a, it's a repeated teaching from Jesus and it's as simple as it can be. A newly lit lamp covered with a basket, but it defies any sense. Why would you cover the light that you just lit? It equates to going out and going to light a fire in the morning and then coming back with a bucket of water and throwing it over it. Or making your dinner and then seasoning it with a shovel of sand. It makes no sense. It just seems ridiculous to do something like that. It's so unconventional and maybe that's why it sticks in our minds so much. Maybe it is one of the most memorable teachings of Christ to us. And when we teach people, just in a general sense, we hope that the recipient will listen so that they gain an understanding. So then with that understanding, they can then go out and carry out tasks that they would be competent enough to do or duties that would be required of them. They listen, they understand, and then they are able to do. 
but I'm sure there's a few teachers amongst us here that'll say that's not often the case. Often what you say goes in one ear and out the other. Or they hear, but they just don't get it. They don't understand what's been said. Or maybe even after all that effort of getting them to understand it, it just never outworks as anything that they will ever do or anything that we would have ever hoped would happen. And in each use of this picture, though the picture is similar, there's differences in the words that follow every time. And each reading has its place in the context of the chapter. And maybe you can go back afterwards the service and look at the whole context of the chapter and see how it relates to the passage. But we're just going to take each instance that we read there. Each lamp raises a fundamental point for the Christian that is worth tying together and is relatable to that teaching process to hear, to understand or to see, and then to go and do. The first passage in Mark makes a reference to hearing the second passage in Luke speaks of our sight, and the last passage in Matthew has a focus on actions or works. So we hear in Mark 4, we gain sight in Luke 11, and we work in Matthew 5. So we'll take these as our points. So we'll begin in the Gospel of Mark in what we hear. Now, of all our senses, Surely, the most influential of these is what we hear and what we see. These two senses determine how we understand things. And I suppose we can say that they are our primary learning devices. For often, their first learning point is to hear. And that's how we teach. And Jesus loved to teach the people using relatable parables and stories like we have read, like the lamp and the basket. But in Mark 4, what is the lamp in our passage? What does it say in verse 22? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret to come to light. And we ask, well, what light has been made manifest to us? What is it that was hidden from us? Is the Lord not seen in the wonder of creation? Is the light of a creator not evident in our body? And maybe we don't see it like that. Many people don't. Is there not an evidence of a creation in our soul? Is this not a light manifesting itself to us? The grace of God shines through his general revelation in his creation to all men. This is a gift in a sense of his light, providing the expanse of creation as a dwelling place. And this world with all the intricacies of its construction its order and its cycles 
It's forming of each of us that are sat here as a conscientious being. And maybe we can admit that it does point to a greater source. But creation, in a sense, it's just a ray of this revelation to man. A ray of this light that has been revealed. Because the greatest light that has been revealed to man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the lamp that is revealed to everyone here that is gathered tonight. This is the gospel light we lift up in this place, here tonight, that we want to place on a stand so that everyone would see it, with the hope that the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit would enter into the ears of men with surpassing radiance. This is the revealed gospel light. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has died for you. Because he had a heart of obedience to God and he has a heart of love for man. And that means everyone sitting here tonight. He knows what it means if you were to perish. And in a sense, he knows that greater than we do. Maybe he knows it in its full measure of what it would mean for man to perish. And out of his love provides an escape in his loving kindness at the cost of giving the entirety of all he ever could give his life and even to the extremities and agonies of the cross in such an extreme way because he loves you. And to him you are worth going through all that in order that you would be redeemed, in order to provide salvation if you believe in this man. Provide salvation from an eternal separation to an eternal presence in heaven. He gave us life in order that you would have hope in death. And is that not a light to you today? Is this not a special revelation indeed that has been made manifest to us who are gathered here? It is. It's a treasure. And in his providence, maybe that is why you are here now tonight. Because he wants you to hear this message. He wants you to understand what he has done for you. He wants to reveal this light to you that you may see, that you may hear and understand. He is a man that will meet you at your need. Have you heard that he loves to sit with the sinner? He loves to accompany the sick, to enrich the poor, to comfort the mourning, and to make first those in this world that are considered last. 
Look at our passage again. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If he has ears to hear, let him hear. But he continues to reinforce that point. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Well, are you listening to this word? Are you giving this word your attentiveness to what has been said in its entirety of this revealed gospel light to you sitting here tonight? Are you hearing the light of the world speaking to you today? Jesus Christ, is he the light of your life? Listen to the light of the revealed gospel message. Christ will speak through it and he will be heard at the reading of this word. And if you have heard, give thanks to the Lord that he gave you an ear to hear it. What a treasure it is, this revelation, this light. And this light deserves to be lifted up. Given a place of honor. This gospel message deserves honor. It is worthy of our admiration. And at very least, it demands our reverence. But we know the truth of this world is that many wish to put a bucket over the Bible. And like our image, it's in a sense just defies any sense. Every man shall die. But they don't want the hope. They don't want the escape. crazy when you don't hear when you don't see when you don't understand they put a bucket over the light of the gospel message and it makes no sense at all pray that people hear the gospel message and he says, in this passage, he says, that all shall be made manifest. Secrets will come to light. See, there's no hiding from this light. He who places this light before men as their salvation also does so as their judge. And these things are not strange to our ears either. The authority of Christ over us it's just maybe we don't like to hear it and maybe we are guilty of having the bucket in our hand when we hear these things of a judge a righteous judge that will judge us maybe we want to blank that out I sat in church many a times trying to blank out 
the word of God speaking to me. But all will be revealed. There is no hiding from God. This may be something I learned. I just had to give in. Your sin and all our sins will be exposed by the light of truth. Because the truth of light is that it reveals in its nature. The lights, when they come on, they reveal this building. Otherwise, we wouldn't see it clearly. The truth of light is that it reveals, and it will reveal everything in us that we do not want others to see. Things we do not want to reveal. But Christ will judge us by them righteously. And we can say nothing because we have to acknowledge the truth of it. Maybe even it would be one of the memories of the time you sat under the word, but you refused to hear it. We're not going to add to that today, are we? That we would put a bucket over this word again. And further to the thought of hearing here are the verses of 24 through to 25, where it speaks of paying attention. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And briefly, this speaks of judging again, according to how you live and live towards others. This is for us all. We will be judged by what we do, what you have, how we have lived, what we have given for God. We'll all be counted. And for the one who hears and lives his life according to the light that is revealed in the gospel truth will be given all the more. But the one who doesn't will be robbed of the comforts that they clung to. It's a good and gracious light, whatever way you look at it. The revealing of light is truth. Whether it is the glories of heaven that you are thinking of, or the anguishes, the anguishes of hell, it's a good light. Because it's a light of truth. And it speaks to us all truth. And if anything that any of us would want to know. It's truth. So we know. So we understand what we have to do. Where we have to go. This is a good light. No matter which way you look at it. How will they believe of whom they have never heard? Believing comes through hearing. This is a fundamental truth of the gospel message. It must be preached and shared, but only then will we see and believe. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 34. I'll try and be a bit quicker with my next few points. Luke 11, 30, 
33. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. The eye, to the eye, light is everything. We would have no sight if it were not for light. And in a sense, what we hear will influence our sight. If we have an ear to hear Christ speak, we gain a greater sight of his ways. A sight that can be seen in understanding. And I suppose an example of this is, and and it doesn't happen to everyone, but when people are converted, often you'll hear them say, you know, I can't believe the wonder of creation. You know, I I look at the creation and it, it all seems new to me. And it's marvelous and wonderless. It's the the same same world they've been living in. Nothing's changed, but it's just almost as if scales have fallen off their eyes. You see, it doesn't happen to everyone, but you do hear that. It's revealed. The light is revealed to them. And the beauty of the world and the wonder of creation becomes clear to them. Because the light has illuminated their eye. And the lamp or light here is pictured also as one that enables entry into a building or such like. It says in verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now there's a world of difference between hearing the gospel message and seeing it. Entry and sight It speaks of belief. And immediately we might think of the words of John Newton where he says, I was blind, but now I see. He was never blind physically. But he gained that sight of the light illuminating his soul. And often we say to ourselves that I just didn't see it. If our first light was the word given and preached to the people, our second light is the light of inward illumination where the person believes it. Like when the student understands. And you can say almost like when the penny drops and they get it and they grasp it. The light that shines into you infiltrates to your soul comforts and joy. Almost like the reappearing of a sun after a long winter. People enjoy it. We long for that to happen again. When your eye is healthy and your whole body is full of light, Jesus will have an illuminating effect upon your soul. And this should be an enjoyment to you. With an intention that you enjoy him forever. But this Christ who told the people to pay attention and hearing. Also comes with a warning in our sight. And he says in verse 35. Be careful. Lest the light in you be darkness. And yet maybe you can ask. Well 
how can this be? If, if we receive the light, how can it be darkness? Well, essentially it's deception or misunderstanding the light. We think it's good, but in fact, it can be bad for us. And this easily happens. Maybe, maybe it's too easily happened. Remember the fall of man. The serpent spoke first to Eve. The serpent spoke. And then it says that she saw the fruit as good. God told her the fruit was not to be eaten. This was all the understanding that she needed. She was not to eat it. But it's often the case when sin enters into our lives, we may initially think it's bad. And after a few words from the crafty deceiver, one that can disguise himself as an angel of light, soon we convince ourselves that, well, maybe these things are good after all. Maybe these things are okay. Pay attention to what you hear. Be careful of what you believe. You see, the student that does not understand correctly will be prone to making the most mistakes in his actions. But you know yourself in your experience, it's not always the theologian that understands best. He might understand scripture well, but often he doesn't shine in the same way as the simple, obedient, faithful believer that understands the Savior in a personal way. And that person seems completely bright, wholly bright like our passage. And I hope you've experienced that from people. It's almost like you can feel the brightness and the light that's illuminating their soul come out of them and illuminate ourselves as we sit in their company. Our salvation is a light that should never be hidden. And we should never hinder the light from entering. Because the placement of this light is also vital. The light of the workings within our soul that has illuminated our souls should be lifted up at every opportunity. See what Christ has done for me. And maybe the strength and brightness of it is directly related to how we understand and our experience personally of Christ working in our lives. Where do you place this light as a believer in Christ? Is he forefront of your focus? A light to every step you take, a light of strength to your soul. Have you lifted him up in your life and declared him as a light that will shine in you and over you? We hear the light, but when the light enters and gives illumination in our lives, there will undoubtedly be an output. Let us turn to Matthew 5. We hear the light. The light illuminates us. 
And then there is an output of works in Matthew 5. What is the light in our passage? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The light is undoubtedly the Christian. Spurgeon wrote, and it sounds almost contradictory at the beginning, The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. It comes with a responsibility when you read it like that. The Bible is a light to you here. And the light has had great effect on us as believers in our church. But it says in our passage that you are the light of the world. Because the world doesn't know the Bible It needs to hear it, but you need to tell them. So do I. And in everything I'm saying, I'm saying it to myself first. Every Christian sitting here is a light. And I'm sure you've seen the pictures and photographs taken from the satellites of the world in darkness and all the glittering lights shining upon its face. And I imagine it's something like that. You are lights among the darkness. The darkness of this world. And the end of verse 15 it says, to give light to all in the house. So so we're lights to one another in the household of God. We spoke of the household of God in the morning. And we can enlighten one another in many ways and encourage one another in many ways. But it says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. You are the lights in the dark world. In your work, in your literal homes, with your friends. We are not to hide with them in the darkness. We are to be different and set apart. And our lamp is entirely different from the darkness. That is what you are, Christian believer. The Lord's people are like that walled city pictured here. The glow that shines out from the boundaries of this walled city, you can almost imagine it. You don't see the source of the light, but you see its glow. You see the glow upon the sky, and it's an undeniable glow. The world reads the Christian. They may not see the source in you. They may not see where that light comes from. But they hopefully see the glow. 
in the darkness. Every reason for us to pay attention and be careful to the word of God. Christians must not be afraid to be placed on the lampstand. God wants you to shine for him in the church and in the world because all enlightenment worked within you is done with an expectation of good works or good fruit. First Peter says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his light. Well, it's not quite that. It's that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. This light is marvellous. You see, the student is taught. He gains understanding. But it's no use if he does nothing with it. He's taught for a reason. But in every light of ours, that radiance comes from Christ and his glory and the enjoyment that that light brings and the illuminating effect of it. And we are the ones that it says of in the passage, see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to glorify God And really, we will find the purpose of life in these lights. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We will glorify God by our works. We will enjoy him as that light illuminates us and we hear that light speaking to us. But we must mention the basket. You see, every basket is outworking in a sense of the devil. Frustrating the eternal plans of God, every basket is placed to restrain the light, dampen the light. In every case, the basket tries to suffocate the light. The light of the gospel, the light of saving grace within the believer. I'm sure we all know what that feels like. The light of good fruits in the believer from the one that has faith pay attention be careful darkness is not far from us in fact it may just be right above us because it is at every stage he will try and suffocate you every stage that we have read here that mentions a basket being placed over the light you just don't do it You don't want it to happen. It makes no sense. The devil comes with every attempt at every stage to suffocate you from the light or to suffocate the light in you, in your reading, in your prayers, in your meditations, in your witnessing, whatever it is. And I'm sure every Christian here can confess that he has made the word dim to us at times in our lives. He has dimmed the 
belief that we've had of the salvation we have found in Christ and we ask ourselves where we ever saved. He can doom the works of our hands for the glory of God or whatever works it is. But Christ will never allow you to be extinguished. He will never extinguish any of these lights. And you may feel as a Christian just as a little light. But in a world of complete darkness, you know what I'm going to say. In a world of complete darkness, a little light makes all the difference. The smallest of glows changes everything in complete darkness. You may not feel bright, but to men in utter darkness, you may be a beacon. Every Christian here is a beacon. Beacons are lights of guidance. To give direction, to give safety. Beacons give the people reassurance when they see them. The gospel, the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, the outworkings of good fruit in our lives are beacons to men and women in darkness. These things are not meant to be covered up. They're meant to be revealed. They're meant to be shared. And the Christian has a responsibility to shine. Like a beacon that points lost sinners to Christ. This is the way to Christ. I'll show you what Christ has done for me. I was reminded in the last few weeks, and it's worthy to reiterate, a thought that have we as Christians lost a love for the lost? Have we as Christians lost a love for the lost? And I can't help but feeling that if we have that maybe there's a basket over us, restraining us, restraining that light shining out of us. Do we really believe in the reality of hell? And those that we rub shoulders with in our day-to-day -day lives, they will go there if they do not understand this light or see this light or know this light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Christian, give your thoughts to this tonight. Shortly we will walk back outside that door into darkness. Literally and spiritually. But ask yourself, how bright am I? And if you feel dark, pray that God would lift baskets from my eyes, my ears, my life, my works. And maybe it's just the prayer of saying, Lord, make me willing to be placed on a lampstand for you. Often we want to hide. As we walk home in the darkness, pray that the Lord would make me a light. And we would be unashamed in all that we do to bring glory to God. And maybe we're not all Christians here.
But everyone here has had the light revealed to them by God's grace. Many sit here every week under it. And maybe they don't really hear it or don't trust in this light. I pray that the Lord makes you see it. And if there's a bucket in your hand, do not cover this light up. The devil will do everything he can to make you place every light of the gospel in darkness. When you leave tonight, don't think of the others that are being lost. Think of yourselves. What will Christ, what will you say to Christ when he says that I gave you my light week after week and you covered it up? This was the greatest privilege man can receive. The world is dark. I gave you light. Did you put a bucket on it? Did you cover it up? Well, the Christian faith is one of new beginnings. In a sense, covering up this moment, it doesn't really change things. You've heard the gospel. You know the light and the truth of it. And it has been shown before you tonight. In a sense, you have no excuse. Pray for yourselves that the light would be revealed to you. I know there are many praying for you here and maybe sitting beside you. Pray the light of Christ would come in to souls that are in darkness. For whoever believes in him shall not remain in darkness. He is a light, uncomparable to anything the world can offer. And you know that. You know that light. The light that came so that you would not perish. I pray that you see it. I pray that each of us hears it, believes in it, and will be one that will go and glorify God in everything that they do. May these thoughts be blessed to us. We'll conclude in praise and then a short prayer. We'll sing in Psalm 100, Scottish Psalter. Psalm 100 of the Scottish Psalter. All people on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Himself with mirth his praise forth tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Know that the Lord is God indeed. Without our aid he did us make. We are his flock, he doth us feed. And for his sheep he doth us take. O enter then his gates with praise. Approach with joy his courts unto. Praise Lord and bless his name always. For it is seemly so to do. For why the Lord our God is good. His mercy is forever sure. His truth at all times firmly stood and shall from age to age endure.
We'll stand together and we'll sing these verses, all people that on earth do dwell. in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your light be shone before us with all its truth, an illuminating light that we pray would work effectively within us. Lord, be with us as a light of guidance in the days ahead of us. Whatever that holds for us, that we would be reliant upon you, your spirit guiding us, your word teaching us, and knowing a relationship and a trust upon the Father that is our Father, a personal Father, a trustworthy Father. May the blood of Christ be an illuminating light to the souls that are lost in sin tonight. Make us lights for your glory. Make us lights for your glory, we pray, by the name and power of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.